Awesome, and welcome to What's Your 20, and I'm your host, Carl Figueredo. Today, we are joined with the amazing, amazing human of a being, Christian Lagasse. <laughs> oh, very good. One of the few people to say my last name properly. In I got Legacy, <laughs> and a lot growing up, I got Lasagna, and then I got Legolas. So for any of the Lord of the Rings fans out there, I am a very tall elf. That's perfect. In, in my time, I had uh, Figueredo, Refrigerator, <laughs> Refidorado, uh, Figure 8. Uh. F- figure 8. Okay, see, that's, that's cool. I like that. Yeah, uh, what, what, what's that sign called? The infinity? The infinity sign. But anyway, <laughs> Just enough this about one. the infinity sign. We're here to talk about uh, choreography, mm-hmm. specifically talking about choreography in a union standard because you are a yeah. union member represented. So what is it like to be a union member and what is uh, choreography to you? Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Union is really interesting because my first job in choreography was about seven years ago on a show called DC's Legends of Tomorrow. I was the assistant choreographer on the show for almost four seasons, um, working with veteran choreographer Kelly Kono, who really... I attribute my start in choreography to her. But what's funny to me is that was a union job that I was a permittee on. And basically what that means is I paid a permit to the union. I wasn't actually a union member, but I got held under their contracts, their safety, their regulations, their insurance, and I got paid at union rate. I actually only joined the union as a full member in January of this year, in 2023. Because for me, I was not just a choreographer, I was an actor. I am... Not was, I am an actor, a dancer, a mocap artist, a voice actor. And for some of those things, it was better at the time for me to stay non-union. It just made more sense to Mm -hmm. me. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit. But that's a journey that each artist has a very different reason as to why they might join early, why they might join late. So I only joined in, as I said, in January and since then, I've been working, of course, as a union member. You can only work on union productions. So I've been working for film and TV. And it's been really, really cool because when you're outside the union, you hear a lot about like, oh, you know, the union, it's just about, they make jokes. They're like, oh, it's about health insurance. And I'm like, yeah, the health insurance is great. I have to Big get bonus. dental work done. Big bonus. Um, and there are other things that you learn. But until you get into the union, you don't really see all the kind of behind the scenes of how there are workshops and there are panels and there are Q&As. You can attend classes at discounted rates. They have discounts within um, different companies that will allow you to, you know, buy things for reduced rates or get discounts. So it's been really, really cool to learn. Also really crazy to learn about this all in a year with the SAG strike because that also meant I joined union and I'm like, yes, all this union work. And then the industry went on strike and I went, darn it. Um, So that's been really just a fun kind of journey to tackle because, of course, for UBCP Actra, they represent choreographers, voice actors, dancers, actors. So everything I was doing at the same time was like, well, now you're union. And I went, cool. What does that mean? And it was a lot to learn about. Um, What is choreography to me? 
I've been a dancer over 24 years of my life. Uh, my mom was a choreographer, but she worked in theater. She was also a voice actor on The New Adventures of He-Man. If anyone actually has seen that show, <laughs> props to you. She was Drissy and I believe the Bride of Slushhead. Um, and so I grew up around a lot of artists and I grew up a dancer. And all through my years, I was training 20, 30 hours a week, mm-hmm. left the industry and was like, I'm going to go to Broadway. And I auditioned for Book of Mormon. I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And then kind of found this side quest into the industry of through film acting and dancing, and I was still very much a performer. And I was teaching dance at studios as a dancer. It was a great way, and I mean, I was making like $45, $50 an hour, which was an incredible pay rate, (laughs) especially when you're like 19 and all your friends are making $10.95 an hour, whatever minimum Uh, wage was. It was great. (laughs) Exactly. Props to all my studios. Um, And so I was choreographing, and at that time, choreographing to me was like, teaching a class, setting a piece, you know, building a three-minute dance that would be performed on stage. And I went, this is really cool. I love this. And it was just what I had done my entire life, and it just made the most sense to go into. But film choreographing? Totally different beast. And as I said, like, I really attribute my career in choreography to Kelly Kono, and to this day, I cannot thank her enough for what she did for me. She took a chance on a guy who had never choreographed in film to bring on as an assistant choreographer on a network TV show for the CW Network when I was only what, 21, 22, and was very young. And I I was looking to all my mentors being like, there are so many people more qualified to do this, but I wanted it and I wanted the experience. And the thing about me is like, you give me a task, hell or high water, I will find a way to accomplish that. So I remember getting the job and being like, okay, it's about choreo. It's about creating a dance and working with the actors and teaching them. And of course, supporting most more than anything, supporting my choreographer and whatever she needed. Mm -hmm. And I remember getting in the studio and I think it was about two and a half days of work before we ever actually stepped inside a dance studio and actually choreographed. Because the thing of choreographing in the industry is you don't realize that you're in charge of the dancers. You can also be in charge of casting if they leave it to you. You're in charge of speaking with the other departments. You're doing emails. You're doing schedule coordination, working with first ADs to figure out in an actor's one hour of free time in a week, how do we get them out to a dance studio? We were doing production meetings, schedules. We were doing set visits, location visits it's tech scouts working with the departments to make sure they could give us what we needed so that they could have what they needed to create that cohesive environment on set. And I always joke is when I tell my students who now come into the industry through platforms, through my other training programs, or the ways that I mentor people, I'm like, it's about 90% paperwork Mm -hmm. and about 10%. The choreography is so simple at that point. If you've done your job You've learned about the story. You've learned about the characters and the why this dance number is happening. By the time you get to the choreo, you're like, this should take me 45 minutes. I can build this. That's easy. (laughs) It's literally of like, I never learned how to do Excel sheets and Word documents and budgets and hours and pay rates and know how to contact the union and be like, hey, I need this dancer for this many hours. Mm -hmm. What job title does that put them under? Mm -hmm. What are the legality? When do we have to give them lunch? Do we have to supply food? It was such a like, you got thrown into the deep end on a four and a half minute Bollywood musical number for mm-hmm. one of the coolest shows I ever worked on. And after that, you're like, okay, I think I can tackle yeah. this. <laughs> so choreo to me is half of the artistry of creating these movement-based moments within stories Mm -hmm. and the other half is the logistics of how do we make such a crazy endeavor come to life in collaboration with our team 
Perfect. Uh, one thing that you mentioned there, you do a lot of outreach to the other departments. Mm -hmm. Is there, in the union sense, because choreography is more of a nuance to mm -hmm. to to the industry. Mm -hmm. Do they ever, are they meant to reach out to you first? Or is it very <laughs> much like, oh, hey, if I don't reach out to them, they'll forget about me and yeah. I need to get this work done. So every choreographer has a different way they approach it. And I think part of that is, you said it perfectly, choreo is not a job that's on every set. Like on every film set, you have an AD. Mm -hmm. Every film set, you have a director, yeah. you have a producer, you have a sound, you have a camera, you have an actor of some degree, whether that's, you know, a dancer or an actor or a voice actor, a circus clown, a mime. Choreography is that job where we're only brought in if there's a purpose to either choreographing a dance number or what a lot of people don't know is we can also be brought in to teach people how to walk. Like, okay, I want everyone to look like they're from 1970s in the middle mm. of a Western town. We can build how to walk. How would they move? How would they pick something up? So yeah. we will build creature work for creatures and demons. So like The Last of Us is a great example. Mm. There were choreography teams behind building the clickers and all of that and numerous other films. The funny thing about choreography is I think the crew think you're an artist mm -hmm. and the cast think you're a crew member because they're like, oh, well, you're not on camera, so you're not an actor. Yeah. You're part of the crew. And the crew's like, well, yeah, but you're repped by UBCP, which is the artist's union. Yeah. So there is this weird thing where I think a lot of people don't fully understand what choreography mm -hmm. is. And therefore, when you get on set, I... Though you can tell the sets that have worked with dancers and choreographers because yeah. they're like, okay, I'll get you all of this. Mm -hmm. I love working with those people, but I also love working with people who have never worked with a choreographer a day in their life because if they're open to it, you get to share so much of like, this is what I need. This is what I would request. This is what will help me. And it's not to say you don't have pushback. Even on the smallest of indie jobs, I've still had people be like, nah, you want eight hours of rehearsal? I'll give you one. And I'm yeah. like, <laughs> for a four-minute dance number? No. Sure. But... I think choreographers need to take a little bit of that action to themselves because that old belief of like, nah, everyone knows what I need. I'm yep. like, they might yep. not. That's just bad to live in assumption generally. I hate that. Like, there's a book called The Four Agreements, um, which is an incredible book about Toltec wisdom. And one of them is don't make assumptions. Yes. So mm -hmm. I never want to say, oh, well, I did this on this last job, so of course they're, they're going to give it to me here. If I need to know something about the costumes, that's why I loved, again, mentoring under people like Kelly or Brianna English. There were so many incredible mentors to me throughout my life that would be like, okay, we're going to email the costume department mm -hmm. right now just to let them know if they have any questions for us, if they want to double check, if yep. we have any restrictions. Like, let's say the dancers have to lift their arms. Yeah. Can they lift their arms in a mm -hmm. corset or a suit jacket? If there were props, we would get in touch with the prop department mm -hmm. and go, hey, I've got this rehearsal. It's a week away. Yeah. What would really help me is the fans. We mm -hmm. had that just recently on a film I did this year where a part of the dance, they're using these beautiful, very like... um queer community you know like the big drag fans and they're doing all this really cool choreography and we had to contact and be like mm -hmm. hey can we get that that'll help your actors that'll help us yeah. build because it's very hard to imagine what a fan does yeah. without a fan and they came back and the prop master was incredible guy I wish I remember his name I'm sorry um, but he's like I can't get you the real fans but I actually have some fans in my car do you want to just take them yeah. so just being open to have those conversations and not be like I need this 
this. Give me this. Yeah, well, but, that that sounds like it's incredibly important because it was similar to uh, one of the shoots that we worked on mm -hmm. where we were d working with a creature actor and <laughs> the time that it takes to put them into the makeup and the special oh, yeah. effects and their costume. And the simple question was, can they go to the washroom? Yeah. How long How long does it take to get them out of this and then put yeah. them back into it? Yeah. And these are all the things in your prep that no. when you do it, it's it makes a world of difference on the shoot day rather than going there and being like, now we have to go to the washroom. Yeah. And as a choreographer, in my mind, it's my job to take care of my people. And again, when you work with people like Carl, who are so caring and generous and dedicated to making sure people are treated properly, Carl's even called me out on my own sense of like, do we really need to work for 12 hours could we do that in 11 because like we would just love to give people the time off but it's rare to have that so i always lead with the fact of i'm going to take care of my dancers first and foremost so yep. if they need water i'm yep. going to get them water yep. if i know that we're going to be dancing on a concrete floor i'm going to try and pre-flag with every member of the team to go hey you're having them impacting concrete mm -hmm. you want them to do a backflip they've probably only got four of those in mm -hmm. them so you got to tell me the yep. takes where it makes sense and outside of that, we just won't do the concrete yeah. or we won't do yeah. the backflips. It's just not worth it mm -hmm. because I don't want my dancers' careers to end after a single day on set. I want them to live for decades in this industry if they're lucky to and want. But I've also watched a lot of friends really injure, like tear MCLs, ACLs, break their backs, slip discs. And it's not always anyone's fault in specific, mm -hmm. but I think in this industry, there can just be a little bit more care taken for the mm -hmm. people rather yeah. than just being like, this is going to be a great project. This is going to be, a, and I'll do anything. And I'm like, yeah. yes, we should commit ourselves mm -hmm. to being passionate, to standing up for ourselves, to being there for the job, but also know when to say no. 100%. And I think that is a hard thing for yeah. any department to be like, yeah. I need water. Yeah. I need food. I am mm -hmm. freezing and you're asking me to do in the splits and I'm going to injure myself. Yeah, because yeah, it's it's one of those things that's like you're not taking care. If you want to do it in this moment and you injure yourself, then you're probably out of it for a long time. Can you touch on, have you ever had an experience on set where uh, you're doing a number and then mm -hmm. someone got seriously injured to the point that they had to be taken out. What happens in those <laughs> scenarios? So I was on a production uh, that I shall leave nameless, but for a very, very big company. And within a seven-day shoot, I think four of us were taken to hospital. Oh. Myself included. Um, mine was due to oxygen deprivation. Instead of letting out my costume, they took in my costume, and the comment from the designer was, we have no time, suck it up and wear it. And I fully collapsed on set mm -hmm. and was taken to hospital. Mm -hmm. um, and the guys are like, you good? I'm like, no, no, <laughs> no. not good. Hospital, um, I was lucky enough that it was on a day where we weren't dancing. We were back, like we were in the scene getting prepared because at the end of the scene is when the dance number would happen. Mm -hmm. That might give away what production this is. If you figure it out, message me. <laughs> um, but I was very lucky that mm -hmm. it didn't happen on an important day. Mm -hmm. But I mean, hell, we had a prep day where two dancers went to do a backflip and cracked their noses together and both of them had black eyes. Yeah. And that poor makeup department ended up for the rest of the shoot having to paint out the actor's black eye. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't experienced anything that's like fully shut down a set. We've always been very 
lucky that it's kind of come in between or on takes that weren't as important or like off days. But I do know there was a um, a TV show that filmed in Vancouver where one of the dancers at Robson Square, I believe it was, if anyone knows that area with all the concrete steps, mm-hmm. they went to do a big like parkour trick and they landed it and their knee, I forget, but I think he tore like two of the major ligaments and his mm-hmm. leg was out. Um and it sucks, I mean, because again, that was, again, I believe it was a rehearsal day, but they ended up having to reblock the entire routine. Mm-hmm. There was insurance payouts through the union because, of course, it's a medical malpractice or medical accident on yeah. set. They had to recast or reblock everything, and that is a huge amount of work because you got to think, when we're already pressed for time, mm-hmm. what you see, and in a dance studio, we might spend... 20, 30 hours to create a routine that's, say, three minutes long. Mm-hmm. In film, you might have two to three hours sometimes, yeah. and especially if you're working with very professional advanced dancers. So if someone gets injured, you have to be ready to think on the fly. I mean, even on sets where nothing goes wrong, you still get in there and a DP might go, hey, that doesn't look right, and you've got two minutes to make an adjustment, and you're trusting your dancers, the yeah. people you've cast, the director, the steady cam op, to be like, we're going to make this change right now, and we're not going to have the time to rehearse it and go back in and be like, oh, you feel good, you feel good, you feel... No, we're just going to go for it. So it seems like even in a union basis, they don't give you any extra time, even though they have... No, time <laughs> is money. I mean, I don't know if you know the the estimation, but someone once told me it's like $10,000 a minute yeah, on yeah. some sets, and that is a lot of money, yeah. and I I hate to say it, but you don't want to be the reason that a production spends another $100,000 for 10 minutes. So if there's really a medical emergency, of course, film sets will shut down. They'll stop. They'll make sure everyone's taken care of. But to some degree, it is that idea of like, you should figure it out. Mm -hmm. And I I don't like living in this mentality that something will go wrong. But to some degree, it's like you prepare and you do everything you can to feel good so that when something does inevitably happen, you know, Mm -hmm. someone stubs their toe, a costume piece doesn't show up, a tap shoe breaks on set, all things that have happened. You're like, I don't have to panic and go, oh my God, how do I? You're like, no, there's a way to do this and we just got to keep rolling. Yeah, definitely. Do, uh, have you ever been in an instance where something you have asked for in prep, you don't receive on set and it's caused an issue? What happens in that scenario? Yeah. So (sighs) flooring is a big one. Mm -hmm. There are definitely productions where Tap is always a great example. If anyone knows tap dance, metal on the bottom of the shoes, created famous by like Bill Bojangles Robinson, Fred Astaire, Gene Kelly, Shirley Temple, I mean, gods of the art form, um, and all the way back to Bubba and so many other great artists. Um, tap kind of requires a good floor to work on, mm-hmm. and the dream is wood. Any yeah. type of wood, wood, hardwood. But there are definitely productions where they've been like, oh yeah, there's wood. And then you get there and you know those like floors where there's the full on grooves in the middle Mm. of the floor. And they're like, oh, but we waxed it this morning because we wanted it to look really good. And I go, cool, wax and metal like that, that, that's a fun one. Um, So, yeah, that's that's always an interesting one. And to some degree, you do what you can. And Mm. there are I've never had it again, break a production, but you've definitely had a moment where you're like, guys, we're going to shift a few things just to keep it safe. Um, There was a production and it it was kind of funny because they're like, we want them to do backflips, front flips, aerials, cartwheels. And then we got to set. And I remember one of my dancers coming over and being like, so I just heard the prop master talking about like rolling hay all over the floor, like Uh, on concrete. So it was concrete with hay on top, which is slightly 
slick. Um, and I remember kind of looking and going, huh. Okay, that's an interesting one. Now, we were very lucky to have one of the best directors that I've ever worked with in the industry, and we walked over to them and were like, hey, um, this is what's happening. We just want to know. And they straight turned to us and went, well, then don't use the hey. Uh, hey, like, no hey. Hey, hey, no hey. <laughs> They're like, I want my backflips, mm -hmm. and the backflips mean more to me than hey on ground. So... Again, having that understanding, having that respect, and having that communication definitely helps. Is there anything we've ever not got? I mean, I think one of the toughest is um, like cooling conditions. Because mm -hmm. you got to remember, like, what you see as a one-minute dance number could be shot over a 12-hour period. And I remember doing an indie film uh 2022 in the summer and it was when we had the heat domes yes it was 38 degrees we were shooting in a high school uh, a high school that i think carl might also know uh that we shot in recently and oh, yeah. uh, beautiful high school in langley yeah. and fantastic school but it's an old school yeah. and we were on the second floor and it was hot to the point where people were sweating through their outfits and i will say one of the things i did request was fans and ice packs mm -hmm. and cools and they got, you know, those like little dollar store fans yes. with like the blades that it might like cool one little area of your face. So did we get the type of cooling that I would have wanted to keep everyone safe and, and comfortable? No. However, did it still look awesome? Yeah. Were my dancers great at, you know, dealing with the environments they were? But I also know that I went into overkill of like, you need a break, you get water. You start yep. to feel dizzy, you get water. Yep. If you feel at weird at all, I said, I want you each every 15 mm -hmm. minutes, check in on your friends, be like, hey, actually, are you here? Do you see me? You mm -hmm. good? Like, what's your name? Yep. Just to check because... I'll be honest, even on that set, I was never told, but I found out five months later that one of my dancers was admitted to hospital with heat stroke. Oh, shit. And yeah. they never told me. And they're like, nah, dude, I they're didn't want to freak yeah. you out. I'm like, no, I need to know these mm -hmm. things because we tried so hard to keep people. Yeah. Now, also, was that dancer properly hydrated before coming to set? No, mm -hmm. did not help. But no. but no, my the care of my people is the most important thing. And in the union especially, those laws are in place yeah. to keep us safe. And I'll be very honest, I don't know every union rule. I've read the bylaws and you cannot remember them. Mm -hmm. But there are policies in place to protect us. Yeah. And if people are not upholding those are not giving you proper facilities to rehearse in, then you need to talk to your union yeah. reps. You need to call them. And if you can't call the union, hopefully you can call your agency and say, hey, I'm on set. I don't have a contract. Mm -hmm. I'm not getting paid. And the choreographer's telling me, nah, you don't need the contract. Who needs that con? I'm like, yeah, if I problem. heard that on yeah. set, I'd walk out the doors. Yeah. And that's not being like, oh, I need to get paid for my work. No, it's that's legally not allowed yeah. and if these productions knew they could get fined or mm. shut down. Hell, I had a production that almost got shut down on day two. And do you want to know why? Why? They blocked the fire lanes. Oh, no. And this was like a $50 million yeah. production. And the fire department walked in and flat out said, if you do not move your car, we will stop your entire production. Yeah. So there are rules in place to keep yeah, us safe. It's one of those things that it's like, it's the chances of it happening, unlikely. But when it does, if you don't have those processes in yeah. place, it can create 
a huge world of problems because of it. Huh. So it, it seems to me as though uh, you being a head of department mm -hmm. as a choreographer, you're the safeguard for your people. And if there are processes in place that other people are also meant to look out for your people, but you're the point of contact to make sure that they're safe. Yeah. I've even had a lot of first ADs on both union and non-union jobs when I was non-union that would be like, hey, you communicate with your people. Mm -hmm. You know how to talk to them. You know they respond to you. Yeah. Would you mind sending out the call sheet as well? Yeah. And I'm like, that's not part of my department. Mm -hmm. That's definitely not in my job title. Yeah. But I'm like, that's fantastic because then we're just doubling up. It's like you will send it out through the distro, mm -hmm. through the production. I have no problem in, you know, assigning my assistant or when I was the assistant to someone going in and being like, yeah, I'll grab the call sheet. Yeah. We'll just send it out. Let's work together. It mm -hmm. doesn't hurt. And I'm not. To a fault sometimes, I'm not one of those people who's like, this is not my job, so I will not do it. Mm -hmm. If it's not my job, I'm not going to step over someone. Yeah. But if they request a little bit of help, yeah. I mean, heck, you came to me one time and you're like, Christian, there are 36 dancers on this call yeah. sheet. <laughs> Could we just talk and, yeah. you know, get some help? Because it's you did things that I was able to help you to make our day easier. Yeah. And why would we not communicate? No, certainly, because it's one of those things that's like, it's always a collaborative process. Mm -hmm. And, uh, when you're down to the gun, it's only going to make your life easier on the day. Yeah. And, I mean, heck, people ask me to do things on sets that I'm like, ah, eh, definitely above my pay grade. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes not even getting paid for it. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, one thing that I'd love to touch on, because I'm in the realm of safety, is how do you differentiate when there's a stunt in dancers? Is there a, like, is there a code? What what happens there? Like, cause you're saying like backflips and if they were like actor, do backflip, I would be like stunt. <laughs> yep. It's, it's a very good point. And I, I'm going to give kind of a half answer, which is probably not what you want, but it's true. It really depends on the production. Mm -hmm. Um, by union code, and again, I, I'm not going to quote myself on this because I would need to look it up and I would say if we can get the link, post it. Mm -hmm. There is actually a regulation stating of what type of gymnastic or stunt abilities mm -hmm. are considered a stunt. And yep. therefore, as Carl is saying, you need a stunt coordinator. And whether it's an actor or a dancer, it's regardless, you need a stunt coordinator mm -hmm. on set just to make sure that everyone is safe. Now, Dancers do blur this weird line between mm -hmm. dance and stunt where most dancers are like, dude, I can pull an aerial. Like, yeah. don't don't give me that. Just yeah. let me do my aerial or yeah. let me do my backflip or let me do my 540 or my gainer for any of my parkour and breaker fans out there. Um, and on a lot of those, I think we kind of get away with, and it's not even us being like, oh, I don't want to pay the stunt. It's like, no, they just say do cool things yeah. and we do cool things and production looks at it and goes, you safe, you safe, you good, you checked, they're good to do it, you good to, you know, just kind of balance and watch them. Yeah. It's great. When it's an actor that's doing it, mm -hmm. I'd say that's when it becomes a little bit more of a priority. Uh, a great example, there was a movie I was in where a dent or an actor, one of the leads, got kind of like lifted in a crowd and then held by the arms and backflipped to land. Oh, wow, yeah. Um, to my understanding, we did not have a stunt coordinator. Mm -hmm. um, unless I missed that somehow, which is possible. There may very well have been. But you also had, you know, a great choreo team that understood, you know, the regulations. And they mm -hmm. pressure checked that in rehearsal after rehearsal after rehearsal. There was also conversations with the actor to make sure that they felt good about it. Mm -hmm. So it is kind of this blurred line where I think by code... 
I think some things do slip through the cracks just because it's like, oh, it's just a quick thing. Oh, it's just a quick thing. If there were full gymnastics abilities like happening on a gymnastic surface, I would want a stunt coordinator. Mm -hmm. If you had an actor that was going to be like jumping off of, I always think of those parkour videos where they're like, they are standing up on a railing and they backflip off. I would want a stunt coordinator because I can build the movement, I can build the trick, but I don't know the safety regulations mm -hmm. on what is legally okay or how to land is safer on concrete. Yeah. So that's something where I would defer. I mean, Raksha is a great example, yeah. a project that Carl and I worked on directed by the incredible Tesh Gutekanda. Um, there was a fight stunt dance scene where all these mm -hmm. creatures are kind of moving down the hallway. The dancer stuff was fine. We had them jumping over this like little one-foot bench, yeah. and it was easy. But the moment the actor had to fall backwards into the dancers or fall off or kind of almost slip off, that's where our stunt coordinator was an insane help. And he and I had such a great time because he's like, dude, I saw what you did. Can I make that better? And then I'd see what he did, and I'm like, can I make that cooler? Mm -hmm. And we just got to work back and forth. So, yeah, stand, that's why choreographers sometimes have been referred to as dance coordinators, because mm -hmm. I think they see it as stunt coordinator, dance coordinator, mm -hmm. but the proper term within the industry is choreographer. So I'd say if you're a choreographer on set and you start to feel unsure about the safety of your people, that's when it's your job to go and at least say it to someone. Mm -hmm. Say to your producers, say to your ADs, hey, I don't feel safe regulating this. Yeah. And if they're not willing to get you the proper, and again, check out the union bylaws, talk to UBCP. There are hotlines to call for this mm -hmm. reason. And I'd be like, hey, this is what they're asking me to do. Am I okay to run this? And yeah. if they say no, and the production's like, well, we can't afford it, then find something else. Because yeah. at the end of the day, I'm sorry, no one is going to remember that backflip in two years. Yeah. What they are going to remember is a badass film. 100%. And I, it, it seems to me as like even, this is one thing I deal with in the indie world mm -hmm. is uh, I'm sensing a correlation is the fact that it's okay not to know everything. That And it's almost better to like just have that discussion yeah. with the people around you. It's like, look, honestly, I don't know how to do this. Yeah. If anything, it's safe for me. It saves a lot more time. If you were no. to say it and someone else is like, well, I've done that before. Yeah. Uh, this is the rules around it. Yeah. And usually for me, if I, so I'll be very honest, and you, English is a great language. I got to say when my mind works, <laughs> um, you bring up a really cool point of like, we don't know everything choreographers especially you know there are so many dance genres i think we all know the base if you ask what is dance people go breaking or hip-hop or tap or jazz ballet those are kind of the generals but then you go farther you go contemporary modern lyrical musical theater broadway then you go even within hip-hop you go street styles of popping locking vogue whacking tutting um and then you go into cultural dances and then you go into dances from around the world and then you go ballroom and latin and ballroom and Latin have 20 styles within them and all these subsets. I am not qualified to work on all of those. Yeah. But when most people come looking for a choreographer, they're just like, I need a dance number. Mm -hmm. Christian, hey. And the first thing I will always say is, what is the style? Mm -hmm. And they go, oh, well, you know, it's this. And I'm like, okay, show me a video. Because if you're not a dancer and it's not their fault, sometimes it's like, forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they do. <laughs> um, they just don't know. So yeah. I've had people say, I want contemporary. And yeah. I go, okay, I have a visual in my mind of what contemporary is. Can you show me a video? And they'll send me videos. And I'm like, not contemporary. that's salsa. <laughs> that's bohemian. 
that looks like a person at contact rave. <laughs> okay, so I can build that to you. But there have also been times where I ask that because I don't know everything. Mm -hmm. And if it's, let's say, for a great example, I'm not a tricker. I am not a break dancer. Mm -hmm. I am the guy who jokes of like, I can do an upside down handstand. Ready? <laughs> like that's about as tricky yeah. as I get. Cartwheel would be a stretch on a good day. That's mm -hmm. I'm just not built. I have double S curve scoliosis. My back was not meant to do crazy bendy tricks. So if it's a job where let's say it's a hip hop piece, I'm like, great, I feel good about hip hop. Mm -hmm. Okay, we want tricks. I will hire either an assistant choreographer that knows that world, mm -hmm. or if worst case, I can't hire that, then I will make sure that the dancers I am asking to do these stunts are qualified to self-manage, where I will come in and go, okay, y'all, you know, I want a trick, I want the body to rotate, I want you to land on your knee, and they go, cool, I can do that for you. Mm -hmm. So it's my job to bring the right dancers in that know how to realize and actualize the vision that my director or my writer or my producer has given me. There's also the side where it goes too far. Mm -hmm. If someone came to me, if you came to me and were like, Christian, we're going to do a film that's Japanese cultural dancing. I want you to choreograph it. I would turn to you and lightly say, what is wrong with you? Because <laughs> I've never studied it. I don't know that dance form. And even for me to go to YouTube and be like, oh, I can kind of piece this together and I can copy. I don't know the heart of it. Mm -hmm. I don't know the cultural message behind it. And I would much rather give that opportunity to someone that mm -hmm. knows that art form. Why would I not want them to bring to life their culture, their story? That's not to say that's all they can do, mm -hmm. but it's a great opportunity to give someone a chance. And yeah. even if maybe I can be there as a consultant just to make sure more of, you know, the paperwork and the film and the kind of the technical side mm -hmm. of it. But I'm not going to take someone's job of something that I logistically cannot do. Yep. If it's a move, I'll fake my way through one move. Yep. But if it's a five-minute, I mean, we just had that on a project this summer. They came, I believe, uh, Brianna, who you might have seen that podcast, and if you haven't, check it out. Um, Brianna English, one and only. They came to us, and when they came, they said, oh, yeah, there's, uh, you know, variations of Vogue and Whacking, which is all in hip-hop, created in the queer scene in New York for a lot of those and East Coast. We're like, great, we have training in that, we can do that. Mm -hmm. But then they went, oh, and there's also a huge part of this that is of East Indian culture, of Bollywood, of different dances throughout Indian culture. And Bri and I went, great, we can bring a person because mm -hmm. it's not our place to step in and go, even I've studied Bollywood growing up, I would never choreograph a number on my own. Because I'm not going to do the the best. It's going to freak me the hell out to get it right. Yeah. And there are just people who this is their culture. This is their life. I might be a guest in it. They've lived that experience. Yeah. And why would I not bring them in? So we brought an incredible collaborator on, Ziana. And she killed it. And then we got to, like, I got to learn from her. I got to sit in there and be like, I get to see a piece of your world. Yeah. And you get to see a piece of my world. And that's where I think we need to start, like, it's okay to not know everything. Yeah. It's okay to partner up and be like, we can do this together. Yeah. But it's also okay, and I know this is hard, especially in the strike where everyone is so hard for you know money and work and it's so tough to get a job. To some degree, you got to know when to bow out because yeah. you're not you're either risking the safety of people mm -hmm. or you're just risking appropriation or you're risking taking advantage of someone's culture and story that's not your own. Mm -hmm. And dude, why? I'm sorry, that one job is not going to make and break your mm -hmm. career. And if it is, yeah. 
you got to find those worlds to find your work elsewhere because there are jobs for you. There are jobs for everyone, but I don't need to take someone else's work to self-satisfy some ego or some paycheck. Yeah, I always find it interesting because it's like one of those things that it's okay to set your barriers Mm -hmm. and your boundaries and when to know enough is enough. And if that production doesn't want to work with you again because you upheld your boundaries and your... uh, yeah, it, it's it's one of those things. It's like I don't want to work with you anyway. If like if that's yeah. the way you're going to be for me respecting me, yeah, I don't want to be part of whatever you have going on then. And I think that's also an important thing in the union. Then, just to speak to that is that's why diversity is so important because now there was a huge shifting of the rules. Again, it's a great thing to look into. Um, um, September of last year, I believe, was when it started. They started shifting their policies to follow SAG-AFTRA a little bit closer of how people could join the union. Yeah. And that's incredible, and there was a lot of good things about it. There was a lot of hard things about it. Again, I'm neither here nor there to say it was the right choice or wrong choice because I don't know the ins mm-hmm. and outs of it. I know how it affected me, and I know how it affected my people, both good and bad. Mm-hmm. But that's why diversity is so important because what now gets tough is that if the union is really pushing for for union by union we want union people only doing union jobs and only when there's no because that's the whole like first um there's a proper term for it but basically the union is supposed to be pro-union people working so even as an actor it's like you're supposed to look at all the union people If there is no one qualified within the union, then you're able to look to the non-union. And then if they're non-union, they take a permit, then they have the ability to join the union. And then you get into the union. Mm -hmm. Um, Right now, there's a huge push, especially with the commercial contracts that are in negotiation. And there's a bunch of lockouts where a lot of very big companies are not properly paying people. They're going under the table, you know, commercials that should be paying people $120,000 are going non-union and are paying people four. And like, so it's awful and they're doing a lot of work in the union, I know, and they're doing their best and they've been fighting it for years and they will continue to fight it to get the proper work things uh, and proper work environments and proper payments for their people, which is amazing and again, a huge benefit to why unions are so important. However, if you're going to push for union people doing union work and there are not people of that culture or Mm. of that skill set, there needs, in my opinion, to be a little bit more understanding of like, you know, I've heard of friends that have literally had to fight to explain why them as a Caucasian presenting dancer should not be choreographing Chinese cultural dancing. And I'm like, and the comment from one of them was like, oh, well, they said it had to be a union member. And I'm like, yeah, but if you don't have anyone in the union with that qualification, I'm not taking that job. I don't know of any of my friends that would be Mm -hmm. open to taking that job. So, and again, I I would hope that there's just a miscommunication there. I was not privy to the full story, Mm -hmm. so I can't speak on what happened. But it's like, if we're going to push for union, I want to see more people of different skill sets let Mm -hmm. into the union to join the union so we can honor people. And if, you know what, if there aren't, that's the chance for some really cool people to come join that world and come learn what it's like to work as a union member. Bring some new light to it, for sure. Well, thank you for sharing that. We're going to cut to a break now, and uh, we'll be back with Christian. Let's go! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and we're back <laughs> with Christian Lagasse and Carl Figueredo. So what I would love to touch more on is what you said earlier, that when you become a union uh, choreographer mm-hmm. or a union 
dancer, you're not able to do the non-union side of things. Mm -hmm. Can you touch a little bit more on that and like how, if that has affected you or has it affected you? It's a great question. So I got into the film industry in... I always go back and forth between 2013 and 2014. 2013 was when I first started training in film. I came from, as I mentioned, a theater background, an onstage background. Um, and then 2014 was when I got my first agent. I did my first ever, I think, on-camera role, which was in a BCIT production for one of their student commercials, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, and it used to play in an action figure store at Lougheed Mall, which was great. I was famous in that store. <laughs> sure. Um, and then I got a job opportunity in the summer of 2014, which was Disney's Descendants, directed by Kenny Ortega. Good. And I had auditioned as a dancer. I made it to the final round of, like, I think they did 600 in the day, about 170 per group. Mm -hmm. And I made it to the top 24 of my round, and Kenny Ortega pulled me aside and was like, kid, you got something special. And I went, ah, I'm going to book it. And then I didn't book it. Uh, and then I got this call yeah. saying, you do you want to do extra work? They think they'd be great. And I didn't really know much about extra work. And I thought money, Disney, on set, this is all fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I showed up at 5 a.m. to Bridge Studios mm -hmm. and just feeling like so cool and so ready for this. And I'll never forget sitting down in the makeup chair and the woman goes, is this your first time being on set as an extra? And I go, yeah, how can you tell? She goes, you're happy. Yeah. <laughs> That'll change. And I went, that's a great start to the day. And then six hours in of standing around, I'm like, I can kind of see where you're getting at, but I was still just so happy. I got to meet Disney actors. I got to work on a green screen stage. I got paid to eat Cheetos. There was nothing wrong with any of this. Um, point of it all being, something happened, and I ended up getting upgraded to an actor role. And that was my first day ever as a union permittee actor. And I remember going to the trailer to sign my contracts because, of course, I had now had to sign all these fancy union contracts. And funny enough, the third AD at the trailer, or the second AD, I should say, was one of my students' dads. Oh. And he's like, Christian, I know you. I love you. He's like, we need to create your character name. What do you want your character to be named? And he actually gave me the opportunity. He's like, I have a couple ideas. It was great. Um, and then, of course, I went home. And I remember having been in class and my teachers being like, you know, when you get that union permit, basically it's that catch-22. It's like it's really hard to get the permit without, you know, being in the union mm -hmm. because they hire a union first. But it's also really hard. Like it's that back and forth of like I need the permit to get the union and it's really hard to get the union without the permit. Mm -hmm. So... I remember going back because I'm like, I got a permit. And what that meant in the union at the time was one permit, if you you could either approve it or you just didn't do anything with it. If you approved your permit, you became an apprentice member. And after three permits, you joined as a full member. When you're in that middle ground, I think it's like you couldn't vote and you didn't have all the policies, but mm -hmm. basically you were a union member and you no longer could work non-union. If you denied it or you just didn't do anything with it, nothing happened. You just yeah. stayed non-union. After there was a permit fee, I think it was $210. If you denied or didn't do it after six, the permit fee went up another, I think, $105. After another six, it went up another $105. And as I said, I didn't go into the union on almost almost 10 years after I started. So I think my last permit was $815 for the day, which if you're making $10,000 in a week, not a bad thing. It's not end of the world. When you were only making $1,500 in a day and 815 of that went to a permit and 200 of that went to your agent and so much went to taxes, you're like, damn, that hurts. Um, 
But I remember going to my teacher and going like, I got a permit. Should I join? And I think I asked six or seven people and six people were like, you're never going to get another permit. This is like your one shot to get into the union. If you want to do union film and TV, this is the best chance you're ever going to have. You're never going to get another permit. And then I called one last mentor, and I don't know why, but I called him at like 9.30 at night. And I went, can I just pick your brain? And I told him, he's like, don't. Yeah. And I went, sorry, what? He's like, Christian, you'll get another permit. You're brand new to the industry. Don't. And I went, bah, bah, bah. he's like, shut up. You called me. <laughs> don't. And I remember hanging up, and I'm like, okay, hi, hi, hi. very much everyone is saying I need to join the union and this is the only way I'm ever going to get in, but something about it didn't feel right because mm -hmm. I'm like, there's still so much in right now which the union is trying to help shift these numbers. Commercials are still 90% non-union. Yeah. Music videos at the time were 95% non-union. Mm -hmm. Video games at the time were about 85 to 90% non-union. Voiceover commercials were about 95% non-union. Mm -hmm. A lot of dance jobs. Basically, what you were guaranteed was union was film and TV. Yeah. And a couple car commercials a year. <laughs> Mazda, great. Um, outside of that, it was a lot of non-union. And a lot of my money and financial income that supported me was through non-union commercials. Because I was still making five to $6,000 for one day of work. Mm -hmm. So I didn't join the union. And then, funny enough, I got my next permit like two and a half months later. And I went, I think my teacher was right. Yeah. Now, as I said, I didn't join for almost 10 years. That was my choice. Mm -hmm. That was what served me because one of my teachers, and this is the way I always looked at it. If over 60% of your income is non-union, mm -hmm. stay non-union at the time. And this is what I'm going to say how it's kind of changed now. At the time, it still just made more sense to stay non-union, do mm -hmm. the couple, you know, five to six days, excuse me, of union work a year, but outside of that, I just stayed non-union mm -hmm. because that's what made sense to me. I had friends who never wanted to do commercials, never wanted to do music videos, and day one booked a guest star on a TV show, and they went, this makes sense for me, it's the world I want to go, and that worked for them. Yeah. My general rule of thumb at that point was just that. Unless you are making most of your money in union, or if you booked a recurring job on a TV show where you were going to get so screwed on permit fees, then maybe that's your time to join. But I always said, I'd wait, I'd wait, I'd wait, I'd wait. Then the rules changed in September of 2022, and they redrafted a lot of policies and basically to try and assist in the battle against the NCA, which is the National Commercial Alliance, to try and bring more commercials union, they shifted their policies and no longer could you be like me, who I think by the end of it probably had 48 permits. Give or take, most people make it to about five and yeah. then they're like, I'm done. I'm in. Christian just wanted to be that guy who was like, I'll join when I feel right. Um, and I was still booking a lot of non-union, so it made sense to me. Then the policies changed and they said, no longer will we give out an endless amount of permits. Mm -hmm. We'll match SAG after, which is basically you can have up to three permits. Mm -hmm. On the fourth permit, you either join or you deny the contract mm -hmm. because they want to feel union strong. And in their mind, from what I understand from speaking with my union reps, it's if you want to be held by our policies, if you want to work on our jobs, 
then the least you can do is abide by our rules, support your union members, and try to bring more of the industry union so that more jobs can become, you know, unionized so that everyone gets paid properly, everyone gets paid better rates, everyone, you know, just we grow the safety of the industry mm-hmm. so we don't hear about these jobs where people have been screwed out of money or yep. improperly treated or taken advantage of. Um so now it's really changed because what I would have told people two years ago was what I said, do not join until you have so many credits and training that it makes sense and your income goes that way. Now you've only got those three permits to get. So a lot of my dance friends, whereas I waited until I had 50, 60 credits to my name, are now joining after their first job because to them, they're like, I want to be a part of this job. And if they're giving the priority to union, I want to give myself the best fighting chance to be in that room. And that's what makes sense to them. I also have friends who are established actors who were working a lot of union but mostly non-union commercials. And they had a really tough choice. This contract shift, very bluntly, has destroyed people's careers. Mm -hmm. Because you had people that would do six days of union work a year, but would also do 20 non-union commercials. And to them, they can't go union. It makes no sense. Mm -hmm. But now they've lost all the money that was coming in on the union and they're not making enough. And this whole divide is really hard. Top that, and again, not anyone's fault, but you force all these people into the union and then a strike hits Mm -hmm. where there is no union work. And we can't, it's not like you can just get rid of your union status and then be like, you know what, y'all, I'll come back next year when you have jobs for me. If you leave, there are penalties. And I don't even, to be honest, I've heard different stories from different people. I've heard of some people not even being let back in the union. Let's say they joined when they were a kid and then they stepped away for 30 years to be a contractor and then tried to come back. They're like, oh, you're going to have to pay like $30,000. And I've heard different stories from different artists to the point where even when I've asked union reps, I've had different answers of like, oh, you just pay a penalty or, oh, you pay for every year that you were out or, oh, you pay this percentage on a job or you just... not coming back. So this shift, I know it's meant for good. I know it will hopefully do good things to make more of this work union, but it screwed a lot of people because people were already struggling. We live in one of the most expensive cities on the earth. And then you basically say, hey, you know, 50% of that income you have is gone. I get that it's for a good reason, but I think there could have been more care taken and I think there could have been a little bit more polling with the people. I'll be honest, I've been in union calls where people have flat out said to the board that this is not okay. This is not right. So it's not that I'm saying this is even my own view. I've listened to the members of my city. I've talked with the actors, with the stunt people, with the choreographers, with the dancers, with the voice actors. Any policy change is hard mm-hmm. and it sucks that it came this year because I think a lot of my friends have left the industry because yeah. they're like, dude, we could barely make it with just that. Now, if you're telling me I have to do one or the other, yeah. like there's no way I can stay in this industry. No. And it's hard. Yeah. It's a hard world when you're like, I'm, I think the, someone said it's like, if you could get 25 days on set a year mm-hmm. as an actor, as a choreographer, you would have your income for the year. Mm-hmm. 
but the percentage of how many people actually get 25%. Look at what happened with SAG-AFTRA. When COVID happened, all the work went away. The percentage of people that actually made the health insurance cutoff, I think, was like, what was it, 10%, 15% of their members. And that's in Hollywood. That's in, you know, the grandiose. That's in the big mm -hmm. major film cities. So I get that people are just trying to do their best. But it's been a really tough couple of years for our industry. And what I hope is that the union is right. I hope mm -hmm. that these policies do fix everything. Mm -hmm. I hope that this changes. I hope that the NCA gets in. I hope that the new policies, I hope that the extension that they put on the union contract where they extended the master production agreement by a year, I hope that this all works in our yeah. favor. But I don't know at this point. Yeah. And honestly listening to the union members talk. One of them went right on camera at one of the union meetings that we all sat in on and said, we think this will work. Yeah. And I went, I'm sorry, I'm going to call that out right there. And this is not me attacking you. This is, you said that. Yeah. Your comment was, we asked, is this going to help us? Yeah. And your comment is, we think. No. And I'm like, maybe that's just being very political. Like, mm -hmm. we're not going to give you a guarantee that we can't guarantee. Definitely. But you're telling us we've lost all these people and you think this is the answer. Yeah. That's really hard to hear. I think it's a, in my perspective, it's one of those, it's a, it's a long-term gain. And then eventually, like if it does work, it's going to bring more work to union actors yeah. and it's going to protect their membership. But there also needs to be that little bit of leniency and, and working on a case-by-case -case basis. If yeah. someone's like, look, here's the thing, I'm making 50% of my work here. 50% of my work here. If you give me this choice, I can't make a full living on either. Yeah. Then that's a case that you need to do a little bit more deep diving and have exactly. that leniency. Yeah, I think they're just, we really need to talk to the people and not just the people that are making six figures yeah. and not just the random one-off cases. Yeah. We really need to... And again, it all comes down to the same thing. It's not the union's fault. It's not the actor's mm -hmm. fault. It's not the choreographer's fault. I think all of us are so afraid to be honest with how we're actually doing that everyone's just like well if, I, if i'm if i'm real and i tell them what i need i'm just going to get kicked out and I'm, and again it goes back to that well yeah but if that's how you're being treated do you really want i don't care if that's a director a casting director a producer a union rep whatever it's like we need when people skirt around the truth it doesn't help any of us it just makes it harder because then a union rep might say well i was told that everything was good and they can only work off of what they yeah. know that's why i think podcasts like this as hard as it is for all of us to discuss this it needs to happen Definitely. we need to be able to sit and trust our union reps and there's a union vote going on right now for the new board of directors and i read through a lot of the policies you know each person had their kind of mission statement yeah. if you want to call and it was really cool and there are mission statements that i really agree with and there are mission statements that i really disagree mm -hmm. with but that's what this is it's a democracy you're allowed to vote for the candidates that you feel will best support you and if there are any union actors out there that haven't done that i recommend going and reading those policies i think a lot of us feel like oh one vote's not going to make a difference but if we all really fight for the people that we think will respect us and protect us mm -hmm. because there are are good people in every avenue of this world. Union, not union, on set, yeah. not on set, grocery store, walking down the street. I could get murdered by the guys in the other room. I don't know. It's possible. <laughs> We're in a basement. It's great. Um, Ricardo, please. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Voice of God is now talking to me to tell me to stop saying that he's going to murder. No. Um, 
there's good and bad people everywhere. So just because someone says they're a director does not mean that they're inevitably got Mm -hmm. your best interest. Just because someone says they're running for mayor of the city does not mean they have your best interest. And that's why it's your job to really listen to people, to talk to people, and trust your intuition enough to say this is what feels truthful to me. And I think that's like one of the big things that I'm hearing that it really comes down to is it's all up to the individual who decides whether they want to go in and what's right for yeah. them. What I think like it's an interesting topic talking about the unions. What in my opinion uh, mm-hmm. one of the the things that we're lacking is the votes are held for just the members and just the permittees. But the people who are against the things that you're putting out these votes for are the non-unions and the non-represented and the so people don't who have a voice. want to get into the union. And if anything, they're yeah. going to be the ones who have the bigger pushback and yeah. have more of the reasons of like why why it won't work. Yeah. Um, and, and just to say one thing, I could be wrong, but as far as my awareness from what my colleagues have told me, apprentices are not allowed to vote. Oh. It's only full members. Now, I could be wrong on that. You know, put up the hyperlink. Everything's <laughs> going to have to be redacted. Christian said this. This is actually. <laughs> but, but I talked to someone yesterday, and they their comment was when they called the union, they said that apprentices were not qualified. It said it must be full members. So it's even less than what we're talking about. But I think that's truthful. You need to hear from the voices you disagree with. Yeah. And that's why I think it's so hard on the things like, I'm going to call it Twitter, because it's not X in my mind. But Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, so many people these days have been taught, I disagree with you, therefore I unfollow you. I disagree for you, therefore I shut you out. There, I disagree with you, so I tell you to shut up and I walk away. I'm sorry, you need to sit with the people that disagree with you. Definitely. Because you've got to figure out, or do you disagree with them because of your ego? Mm-hmm. Do you disagree with them because there's actually incorrect statements that are being said? Or are you disagreeing because you're not liking the reflection it's giving you of yourself? Mm-hmm. No, I agree. So, an awesome segue. Mm-hmm. Mental health in the industry, and more so mental health. Oh, sorry, what's within, that word? Uh, no, we, we do not know of it. No, <laughs> mental health within the industry is a big thing, and uh, especially with choreographers and dancers. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, I, well, I'd love to speak to you on your opinion mm-hmm. in the dance community as well as in your choreographer base. How is it? What are the things that you notice that your department deals with a lot on sets? Yeah. Dancers are trained at a lot of studios with the mentality of everyone but you does not matter Mm -hmm. and you should beat the other people. That is your only goal. Your only goal is to beat them, be better than them, win over them, get the medal, get the trophy. And I can speak to that. I, from the time I was 3 to 18, was really at seven different dance studios. And a lot of those were I had to move because of abuse, mm-hmm. because of physical abuse, because of emotional abuse, because of threats made on my life. And that was from parents, mm-hmm. from teachers, from studio owners, and from the dancers themselves. Mm-hmm. And it took me a lot of years to look back and go, why did that happen? And I go, I can see it. Because even in classes, it was like, hey, you know, Jessica, you were fantastic. The rest of you need to be like Jessica. Jessica did this right. And sorry, if there are Jessicas out there, I have nothing against you. Um, But a lot of these studios had this very unhealthy mentality of the only point of dance was to do a routine, go to competition and win. Mm -hmm. For me... I loved competition because to me it was the coolest. And I didn't even know the term networking as a kid, but I guess that's what I did my whole life. I would go and I'm like, you, Carl, you're so cool. Like, congrats on your dance. That was awesome. To the point where I literally got yelled at when I would get back to my studio from these teachers from these studios. Like, you talk to the enemy. And I go, 
the enemy were 12 and this is a tap solo breathe get some perspective please so the problem with that is that when you spend your entire life where you're hormonal you're going through a lot you're in high school you're in middle school you're figuring out who you are and your whole thing is like you got to be the best or you're not worthful yeah. or you're not you're worthless if you're not the best well, how does that translate? You put them in an industry environment where everyone's vying for work and everyone's fighting to survive and to support themselves. And if you've ingrained those teachings for so long into people, it's not a far cry for bullying to happen in the industry. Yeah. It's not a far cry for abuse to happen in the industry because people are like, well, I'm just here to win. I'm like, Y'all got to relax. Like, this is a community. These are your friends. These are the people that might get you a job one day or you might work alongside. So I think that's a lot of the battle with mental health is just this, like, intoxicating belief that we just have to be better. And therefore, if I mess up, if I make one mistake on a set, my career is over and everyone's going to hate me. And it's just not true. Yeah, don't mess up. You know, do your best. Always try to be at your best. But also remind yourself that you're human. Mm -hmm. The other side of the industry that I think is really hard for dancers is a lot of programs, and this is not just Vancouver, this is global. I've talked to dancers all over the world and they say the same thing. A lot of programs that teach dancers and therefore choreographers always come out of being a dancer for 99% of it, it's this belief of like, shut up and do your job. Like, you are a cog in the machine. Your opinion does not matter. You do not matter. Suck it up. I don't care how much pain you're in. You do the job. There is a part of that that is truthful. There is a part that says, look, you've picked the film industry. Mm -hmm. Just like any industry, it has its problems. And the tough part of the film industry is long hours. We all know it. This is every department. Long hours, awful environments of, like, freezing cold or scalding hot. You're doing the same dance number for 13 hours. You're on eight hours sleep. You're working 60 hours a week. It's hard. Mm -hmm. But teaching people that they're worthless and that they need to shut up is where we get, and I'm sorry, I blame a lot of the sexual abuse cases on that mentality. Yeah. And I'm not, and a lot of people are going to be listening and be like, whoa, 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 that is a far jump. To me, it's not. Because you give enough people for enough time, you're worthless, you're worth nothing, shut up, do your job, don't make problems, don't go out after anyone, don't say anything, you're going to destroy your career. Then put them on an onset environment where they're stressed out of their mind, mm -hmm. they're new to the industry, they want to have success, they want to support themselves. Yeah. And then have someone just infringe on that. Yeah. Your self-value is so dropped that it's very easy for an opportunity like that. You can only tell someone to not talk so long before they just go, well, I guess I'll never say anything because mm -hmm. this is what's right. I remember being on set with dancers where like we were told that you should be ready to feel awful most of the time on set. And I'm like, who's teaching you these things? Yes, work is hard. There are going to be hard days. I love my job more than life itself. There are still days where I've gone home and cried. I'm sure you have too. There's been days on set where I've cried. We all have those moments, yeah. to, but for the belief to be that this is supposed to be yeah. painful, I'm sorry, that's no. not okay. So you put these two values. I think that's the hardest thing about mental health is teaching people, A, it's okay to not be perfect. Mm -hmm. It's okay to mess up. It's okay to learn something. 
And then on the other side of it is teaching people, and it's hard, but you're battling this self-belief that you are worthless, and I'm here to tell you you are worth something. That doesn't mean I'm going to accommodate every whim you have mm -hmm. because there are some days where the sun is out. I can't do jack all mm -hmm. about the sun, but I will listen to you, and I will do everything in my power to yeah. make your experience as good as is possible yeah. because that's my job. Because I'm sorry if suffering torture and anxiety are what it takes to get incredible quality, I don't want it. Because I'm sorry, at the end of the day, I love my jobs. I love the experiences. But if I look back at a job, I don't care how good the product is. Mm -hmm. If my entire experience on that set was garbage, I don't care about that job. Yeah. There are shows that I watch that I have to turn off the TV because yeah. I'm like, I cannot watch it. Because yeah. I don't see fun. I see trauma. I see abuse. Mm -hmm. I see being yelled at and hit and taken advantage of. Yeah. I can't watch that. So mental health is a huge thing that we need to work on. Yes, keep your technical ability up. Yes, go to take class. Yes, mm -hmm. go network with people and go to events. But also have those safe zones for yourself. Mm -hmm. And everyone's different. For me, my safe zone is my family. Yeah. Knowing that I can go home, talk to my family, sit on the couch, lay under a blanket, watch a movie with my family. That's my safe zone. Mm -hmm. Some people, it's meditation. Some people, it's running. Some people's safe zone is kickboxing yeah. because it's aggression and they're able to let out that tension. Mm -hmm. Some people's is going to the bar with their friends on yeah. the weekend and just sitting down and having a drink and having yeah. a meal and being able to talk to people and be like dude, do you know what happened at work this week? I just need to tell someone. Yeah. You have to have those safe zones because if not, this industry is going to kill you. 100%. And and that's it. Like I was taught from a very young age, if you can do anything else in this world, go do that. Mm -hmm. Because the only thing that will keep you in it is the love of what you do. Mm -hmm. Not the outcome, not the red carpets, not the film premieres or the big paychecks, but the love of what you do. Yeah. And that's why to me, creating a good healthy onset environment, mm -hmm. a good training environment, and a good mental environment yeah. are so important. Because yeah. it's like if 90% of our job is going to be that, please let me have fun. Please well, let me do what I want. That's the big thing to be said. You're like, like you said it yourself. Uh, majority of the departments are on set for sixty plus hours in a five day span, which is ridiculous for any working place. Yeah. And if your mental health isn't great in there, and we're just kicking people down, we're not trying to bring them up to that next level. We're actually doing a disservice to the film industry, where we're trying to crush them and not promote best work, which mm -hmm. is. It's just ridiculous that we're still facing some of those norms in the film industry. I think we're we're slowly getting there, but it, it's something that we can definitely improve on. I agree. And I think as hard as it is, stand up for yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you don't feel you can stand up, I always try and say at the beginning of every rehearsal, it's like, if you have a problem, talk to me. Yeah. If you feel like you can't talk to me, talk to my assistant. Yeah. If you feel you can't talk to my assistant, talk to someone who will yeah. speak to us. Yeah. Because the last thing I want to hear is five days from now that you're like, hey, you know, this person on set made yeah. this joke and I felt really uncomfortable. Or, hey, mm -hmm. I noticed this thing. and like, Or, like, I needed water and I didn't feel like I could get water. And I go, please, go stay hydrated. Because people do their work the best when they feel happy yeah. and appreciated appreciated and cared for mm -hmm. 
I'm not in this belief that people do their best work when they're under stress. No. Some people do. Yeah. You know, it's always hey. one of my ballroom teachers said pressure <laughs> makes diamonds. I'm like, yeah, pressure also breaks China. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I'm sorry. That, that We're not all coal. We're not yeah. all here to be crushed. I think you have to put in the work. I think you have to learn how to deal because you are not always going to get people like Carl who are fantastic. <laughs> and I say that not just because we're on camera. You are truthfully one of my favorite people because I was taught to fear first ADs. I was taught that a first AD was a jackass, rude, loud, abusive, who took advantage of people, who screamed at people all day and cared about no one. And I will never forget getting onto a set with um, this one first AD I worked with, a lovely woman by the name Joanne. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was talking to me, and I didn't know she was the first AD at this point. And we're just kind of joking around, and we're just kind of quipping back and forth. And she was making fun of my character name, and I was dying laughing because she had so many great jokes. And she walked away, and I remember turning to one of my friends, and I'm like, who is that? And they go, oh, that's the first AD. And my jaw just hit the floor because I went, but she's funny. <laughs> and and no, offense, no offense, there are so many great first ADs yeah. that I've worked with. Please do not come at me in the comments. But it's truthful. It's like, I was like, I didn't, I didn't know first ADs could be happy. Mm-hmm. And I took her for lunch. She's like, dude, why would I be rude to people? Yeah. She goes, I can be stern. I can be yeah. strict. I can tell you get your job done. Mm-hmm. But why the heck would I be nasty? Mm-hmm. And then you meet Carl and you're like, oh, okay, there does exist yeah. happy people <laughs> because it, it just creates a nicer environment. I just left a production with Carl and the director turns and she brings me aside at the end of the day. And the first thing she's like, production, fantastic. You killed it. Carl, I want him on every production I do. And that is no small feat to what you accomplished and the environment. And that's not just because of what you do. That's because of who you are. Thank you. I really, really appreciate you saying that. But let's get to the questions, shall oh, we? Oh, Speedfire. Yes. Round one. So uh, how do you choose your dancers and do you choose them? I throw darts. No. <laughs> and I hit them. It's great. And if they stick around. Um, how do I choose dancers and do I choose them? Depends on the production. I've seen it really cool as a choreographer. 98% of the productions I've worked on have been like, send me photos. I'll approve to make sure they look good for like, you know, the visual, mm-hmm. the style, the heights. But most times, unless the director has a background in dance, they're like, I don't know what I'm looking for. You choose. And I went, awesome. Um, how do I choose them? I... I miss open call auditions. We used to do open call auditions mm-hmm. where you would line up, you'd come in the room, you'd learn a piece of choreography, um, and then we would, you know, take headshot resume, we would make our notes, we mm-hmm. would cast. Then COVID happened, boo-hoo. Uh, everything went online, so yeah. everything went into headshots and resumes and demo reels. Y'all, if you don't have a demo reel, have a demo reel. It was the only way that I was looking at footage. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, like anyone in this world, I like to work with people that I know. And if I don't know you, I want to work with people that someone I know knows so that I can call them and be like, hey, what is their work ethic? What are they Mm -hmm. like? Because at the end of the day, I mean, at this point, everyone is so gosh darn talented. What I look for is kindness. What I look for is passion. What I look for is are you good to work with? What I look for is are you new? Because on some sets, 
I can have some new people and I can take mm -hmm. the time to really help them out. On other sets, y'all, we just got to get the job done. Yeah. I need quick and easy. And that's why with Platform on Camera, the career development program called The Collective uh, that I do with Brianna English, it's so incredible to be able to train so many of these dancers mm -hmm. so that when they get to set, we're like, you're easy. You know what we're expecting. You know what you need to do. Um, but yeah, I look again and also it depends on the job. You mm -hmm. know, some jobs, I need people that really stand out. Mm -hmm. Other jobs, you need people that really fit in and that's not a good or a bad thing but know who you are know what your strengths yeah. are and be ready to showcase and prove why you deserve this job because an audition you should already act like you have the job yeah. this is just a chance to showcase what you love awesome no i love that uh why do you get labeled as cost on the call sheet and also what number do you get labeled as <laughs> 1265 no um okay why because uh choreographers are held under ubcp therefore we are considered part of the cast just like a stunt coordinator is listed as cast just like a fight coordinator is listed as cast um i don't have much more of a fancy answer than that but that's what you're gonna get um what number do i usually get it varies I, a lot of the time, sit around the 99 and 100. Mm -hmm. I don't know, actually, that's a very good question mm -hmm. to ask some of my stunt friends, but I've also had, like, 100C for, like, 100 choreographer. Mm -hmm. I've had 100DA, which was, like, dance assistant. Uh, but most often, we live in that kind of, like, 99 to 102. Um, you can have multiple choreographers on the project. Mm -hmm. The last one I did, I think my, the lead was 99. I was 100. Someone else was 101. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Uh, what's the worst injury you've seen on a set? It doesn't have to be you or one of your dancers. Just what's, uh, what's the worst thing? Worst injury that I've ever... Oh, yeah, you're bringing up really bad memories. So, no one's fault. Literally no one's fault. I was running a dance rehearsal for a job, and we, um... We had to showcase to the director, like, just different cool moves that might mm -hmm. be utilized in the project. And so we set up the camera, and we left it in the middle of the room, and everyone was just going to cross. So, you know, someone would run, 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 jete. Someone would go run, 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 aerial. Someone would go run, 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 um, you know, backflip or front tuck or, or dive roll. And I just remember someone, there was this dancer, and they ran, 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 and they jumped, and then they landed. All you heard was this crack. Mm -hmm. And all of us were like, oh, but no one said anything and no one did anything. So we're like, oh, it must have been upstairs because there were people working in the business. And all of a sudden I looked to the side and they were on the ground. Mm -hmm. And what had happened was their Achilles tendon had severed and the muscle in the back had literally rolled up the leg. So it was rolled up oh. inside their body. Yep. Um, yeah, that I a... luckily, I didn't get a close look at it because I'm not great with that mm -hmm. kind of bodily mm -hmm. stuff. Um, that's probably one of the hardest because that, I mean, I'm glad to say that that dancer did an immense amount of work to get back to the industry, mm -hmm. is now one of the top choreographers and dancers in the city, is killing it everywhere. So I don't care how injured you are, there is always a way to get back. Mm -hmm. But yeah, of like terrifying moments and also feeling heartbroken because that's, it's not your fault, but I take the care of my people very yeah. seriously. And when that happens, it's like, that's your friend. Yeah. Like, yes, I am your boss in this moment. Mm. That is still, you're my friend, you're yeah. a fellow artist. And it's like, it's just as much that I could be in your position mm. as you could be in mine. Yeah. Which is why it's uh, also very important to note, like that there's always a level three first aid person on union sets. Yeah. And I would even say, 
producers, we need to take the time to bring it onto non-union sets because uh. these random injuries can happen and it's better off having someone close by that oh, yeah. can at least attend it, even if they can't obviously like fix that wound and they're still going to go to hospital, but at least be there in attention to... Yeah. Uh, be a caregiver. Oh yeah, there's so many easy, not just dancing, everything on industry. Yeah. I've had dan or directors stand up and slice their head opens on camera yeah. grates. I've walked into walls, into ceilings. Yes, I'm that tall. Uh, I've had people trip over a loose screw in the yeah. ground. I've stepped onto dance floors and bare feet where they failed to tell us that there were staples all through the floor. I've had people slice open their arms when a yeah. safety pin was left on set and a gash out of their arm. Yeah. It, it it's human. No matter how well we prepare, we will never be able to like accommodate or prethink of everything that will go wrong. Definitely. But at least you can do the work. And I think that's that's generally what I would just say is I think all of us, union, non-union, board members, directors, producers, mm -hmm we need to bring a little bit more care into what we do. Mm -hmm. I think, that, I mean, it's cheesy, but the world needs a little more love. Mm -hmm. And I think the film industry just needs a little bit more of that, like, take the moment. I know it's going to cost you money. I yeah. know you don't like spending money. None <laughs> of us like spending money. But I never, I never want someone to leave my set feeling not taken care of and not yeah. respected. And I am sure that I've failed that. I am sure that I've made mm -hmm. that mess up. I am not perfect. Yeah. No one is in this industry. The best people I've worked with, we have had our bad days. Yeah. But if 98% of that work is out of love and out of care, yeah. that's I've done my job. No, definitely. It's putting your best foot forward all the time. You put your right foot out. <laughs> um, what's the most dangerous or impressive choreography you've seen in person? Ooh. Most dangerous or impressive choreography I've seen in person. That's a really you're you're making me think I need to do more dangerous things, Carl. No, no. Um, I to my mind, nothing like ove. I'm sure if I sat here for long enough, I'm very grateful for a lot of the stuff that I've done. I think a lot of the most dangerous stuff I've seen has been integration with Steadicam. Mm -hmm. And by the way, shout out to Steadicam operators. If I have five dancers in a scene, my six is always my camera operator and Steadicam is 6.5 because you get an extra 0.5. Um, you are working with a 150 pound rig or 100, 150, whatever it is in very close confines where your Steadicam operator may not have all that rehearsal time. Mm -hmm. I try to make sure on my sets, if the steady camera operator is available, if the DP is available, you are coming to my last rehearsal mm -hmm. so you can watch it. We can start to play. We will start yeah. to figure out those ideas. Doesn't always happen. Mm -hmm. A lot of times steady cam operators with me have had to learn on the day 10 minutes before we shoot. Mm -hmm. And to think of my dancers having to navigate to not hit the operator, to not hit the camera operator, and he might change his path and to be able to adjust and make, mm -hmm. you know, space for them. That is probably the craziest stuff. And like, those are my favorite shots I, in my mind the best film choreography and cinema i've seen in the last 10 years was in the heights mm -hmm. in the heights the movie choreographed by chris scott also assisted by dana uh, uh dana wilson please tell me i'm not saying that wrong in my head oh my brain um but dana as well as a list of other choreographers from the cuban street and from latin and all of this and if you watch those pieces they are just flawless and the work it took i was lucky enough to talk with chris a bit just after he had filmed uh filmed that when he was in vancouver and that's my idol if i can achieve a portion of what he has with his integration of just dance and culture and soul and cinematics that's the dream 
Nice. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us here. Really appreciate all your knowledge and everything that you've provided to the industry and helping make it a better place. Thank you, my friend. Can you please plug yourself? If someone sees this, they want to get you hired, they want to bring you onto their set, where do they find you? Me? Yeah. You would hire me? <laughs> Never. Uh, yeah, I live pretty much on every social platform. Funny enough, there's only two Christian legacies on Earth, L-A-G-A-S-S-E. The other one is a 68-year-old French guitarist, so if you contact him, have fun. Great guy. Uh, but Instagram is where I live the most, the Christian legacy. Uh, Christian spelt like the religion. Thank you, family. Uh, and then like I say, spelled. It really is one of those names. You will never forget my name, like it or not. Uh, you can find my website, christianlegacy.com, Facebook. Uh, I'm not on TikTok because I'm just not cool enough. Uh, but LinkedIn, all those places. And yeah, I'd say IG is where I live most often. Also, if you want to check out the company, I co-direct platform on camera at the original platform on Instagram is a great place to see. And I just say to anyone watching, I don't care if you're a dancer who's been in this 10 years, one year, or if you're a filmmaker who's always wanted to experience a little bit of art, of dance and choreography, reach out. There is nothing I love more than talking to new people, meeting new people, and I was lucky enough to have a lot of very talented people give me opportunities that without which I would not be here. I would not have met Carl. I would not have met Ricardo and Ryan and all these great people. And I just want to give back those opportunities. So do not ever hesitate to reach out, message me. I'm always down for a question. And yeah, I just thank you all for listening, Carl. Thank you all for creating this space to talk openly. I really hope whether you agree or disagree with everything I said on this podcast, I just hope it starts a conversation. I hope... At the end of the day, I think the union is an incredible thing. I think the non-union world is an incredible thing. And I think the more those communities can collaborate and help one another, at the end of the day, we're all going to win in the long run. And I just want to see badass products, badass creations, badass artistry of people who are respected and loved and enjoy their time. Definitely. Because we're here for a short time, but we're here for a good time. <laughs> and lastly, and certainly not leastly, Leastly. Uh, Leastly. Never gonna uh, give you. What can I put at the end of this video? Would you like your choreography reel? Would you like to showcase something? Is there a piece of work that you really enjoyed that I can put at the end? Oh, of I just want a photo of Carl at the end of this. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, you can post my choreo reel. It's uh, currently in the process of being updated, so hopefully I can get it to you in the next couple of days. Oh. <laughs> this is uh, me being a bad person where I edit demo reels for the industry, and it's so much easier to do everyone else's than it yeah, is to do my yourself. Help everyone else before you help my yourself. Like the whole aircraft thing. Yeah. You never put on your own oxygen no. <laughs> max first. You help the entire plane, and then you collapse. Oh. <laughs> Very good. Awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure, as always, talking to you, my friend. Thank you, my friend. Perfect. All right, that's it. Signing off. <laughs> Oh yeah. You're beautiful, beautiful, you should know it.
without you You're imperfectly perfect Everyone's itching for beauty But just scratching the surface Lost time is never found Can the DJ please reverse it? In life we pay for change Let's make every second worth it Any man can work if you work it When people say you don't deserve it Then don't give in Cause hate may win some battles But love wins in the end You shine just like the sun While the moon and the stars reflect your light Beauty revolves around you It's only right that uh, 